0: we're very lucky uh, and I'm, I'm personally very excited to be joined here uh, by Joey Leung from Terracotta Distribution. Joey, thanks so much for making some time for this today. Oh,
1: thank for inviting me and in, uh, having me on this It's a really, uh, really cool, cool experience.
0: Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I, you know, we, uh, they live by film. We've been very lucky in, in and have spoken with a lot of uh, Blu-ray sort of boutique labels, right? The ones that are actually publishing houses for these discs and getting them manufactured and uh, and I think it's really fascinating to talk to people like in uh, terracotta, for example because uh, you play a really important role in getting it into people's hands right um, yeah. so uh, if there is any chance that anybody listening doesn't know terracotta, uh do you mind just doing a quick thirty sixty second on on what you do both from a distribution side I think uh, and if you want to talk about you know the streaming part of the business as well, I think that's super interesting but uh, anything you want to talk about
1: so yeah no that's just pretty much it so we're free. Three parts to it is a distribution label in itself, your own label uh, acquiring products and releasing blu rays We're a store as well, so someone like uh, imagine the Amazon but for um, Asian films, blu rays and DVDs. And then we've started, like you said, building a streaming site, only currently for UK and Ireland, but uh, it's early days and um, bootstrapping that. And then we'll see how we go. Yeah. So three I parts. Love
0: of it. It. Yeah. You use the term there called bootstrapping. So this is something I think is super interesting. So. Um the, the impression that I get, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that's always drawn me to Terracotta is as opposed to going and supporting Amazon, if I go by from Terracotta, it feels like I'm kind of directly supporting Joey. <laughs> is that true? Like maybe, and, and your team, but it feels much more personal and intimate.
1: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's a small operation. We're not a corporate entity. We're doing this all part-time with film banded band together just to uh, get stuff that we've seen Especially on the label side, right? Stuff that we've seen and we want to get other people to see as well. Almost evangelical in some way. Hey, we've seen this great film. Why haven't you seen it yet? Let's get it out. you
0: know? Yeah. And uh, so there's three kind of components to talk about. Um, you know, there within within what you just said. I think one of the things that's interesting to me. The, the way that I got to know you was through uh, the distribution of third window films, right? And the, and the, I guess like the store aspect, right? The e-commerce aspect. Yeah. So So um, was there maybe? Can you talk a little bit about you know, uh, why you chose to focus on Asian films, kind of where that passion comes from uh, and and how you got connected with Adam, or I know this, it's more than just third window, but you know, just sort of had that, that process of how you started um, distributing some of that.
1: Yeah, so on uh, the store itself, we're kind of working backwards now, It'd be quite interesting to do a, like a reverse chronology of the uh, terrible history, right? So right now we are focused more as a uh, physical store, online store. And that came about just before lockdown, where we realized we had a lot of excess stock that wasn't selling that well. So we thought, hang on, if other people are shopping for things, they may not be Googling or looking just for our titles. And I would like to, as a shopper, not have to go to each individual, you know, Eureka, ATA, Arrow, Criteria, and then check out and pay the fee that way, right? Um, so why not just do a one-stop destination for Asian films? That's you know, something at this moment. So then we asked around different labels and said, "Do you have any excess stuff you want to get rid of, then we come out of license period, we can buy bulk cheap off you and start our own store that way. A lot of them were very happy to do so. A lot of them did have a lot of excess stuff to get rid of, which was great in the early days to um, just get anything you can get hands on. Nowadays, we're somewhat more curatorial. We only try and pick like stuff that we know people would like to buy and that I would like to watch as well, to the next extent.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: yeah, third window is a big part of it. We can... When we go backwards in time to talk about uh, our relationship between terracotta and third window as well um and yeah a lot of the third window stuff that comes through us um i was luckily enough to be invited on a, a podcast with those guys and it turns out that uh we give the highest percentage cuts back as a retailer back to third window directly um and because of that they said they were able to keep running and supporting them to release newer films as well. Which for me, it was very gratifying to hear that. Just this little quirk of me deciding to um, buy other people's titles has now led to a significant sort of income for the, the, the films event from their future releases, which for me is almost humbling and almost like, I mean, you know, so, yeah. And then lockdown happened, of course, uh, around the world and a lot of people can get to um and it, it almost had to accelerate the model of we want to buy our film, where do we go apart from like Amazon or whatever other mail or the mail, mail order companies people use, um, and we we'll just took off
0: from there. Oh, I, I love that, and <laughs> I love the, I love the, the, the camaraderie that exists. That's the one thing that's been a bit surprising, in and in, in a good way, for me as I've gone deeper into this industry, is how connected it all is, and how everyone really is kind of supportive of each other. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, even some of the labels that we love, if you look at some of the distribution they've put up, they are taking quite a big uh, cut from, from the people that are manufacturing the discs. So it's nice to see that you've been able to keep that, that high margin for, uh, some of your, for some of your partners and, and for Adam. So going backwards a little bit, then, it seems like the
1: label was first? Well, I, I'm trying to remember, actually, whether the okay. label was first or whether we did the film festival first. It was around about the same sort of time, anyway. And how that started was I've always, I've grown up in the UK, right? So I was born in the UK. And like a lot of um, second generation people, you have somewhat an identity crisis. Because at home, you're this Chinese kid watching Chinese movies, eating Chinese food, and speaking Chinese all day. And then when you go out, like, people make fun of you being Chinese, right? And then sometimes, like, your friends come over for play dates or whatever, or come chill and hang out when you're teenagers. You don't have playdates when you're teenagers. So they come and you just hang out. And then we'd have some Asian films on in the background. They'd stop and look at it. and think, this? this is incredible, and they'd actually stop and watch the whole thing, whether it be Jackie Chan or you know, Aces Go Places or uh-huh. Go Story or something. It's something that they hadn't seen that before, right? So that, that I mean, we think back to the early '80s, uh, the sort of films we were watching, the sort of TV we were watching back then, and then suddenly someone hits you with some Jackie Chan or Jet Li type stuff, right? And you think, wow, this is like this is cool um, and then shortly after that, you'd see things like Jonathan Ross over in the UK, the TV show presenter. He would be starting to interview Jack Chan, cetera. Yeah. Those sort of times, you know. I think those sort of interviews have actually made it onto extras on youtube bit. So anyway, that's me growing up, and then and then I got into like recommending films to people, and then I found my way um, fast forward quite a few years later, working in the finance departments of studios like Disney, uh, Sony, uh, Universal. And I saw they were releasing some Asian films, but only because they'd been given them a part of, like, their pipeline from their Asian company that they have to release stuff in the UK. Okay. And, of course, the focus was very much on your, I don't know, like, your Casino Royales or your Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever it is, right? So um, there's very little focus on like, Korean action films, cancer films or anything of that kind. And then I thought, wow, could I do this myself? The same... Approaches a studio, but without the studio overhead and staff. just the one uh-huh. I am my wife, maybe. Let's just look into it. Where will we make DVDs? Where? How do we even license the, the rights to maybe DVDs? And where do we go to, to speak to people? And we started attending a few film festivals and film markets, which is where these films get um, uh, exhibited and buyers will go buy them up and make DVDs out of them for their own territory. So we started doing that, basically. Our first title was Hampton and Gretel. But at the same time, we saw so many cool films in the market. So we'd fly to like Korea or whatever. It sounds really famous and amazing, which it was the first few times. But after a while, it becomes a becomes like work, right? So then we'd see a great load of films where we think, oh, we want to release this, but potentially it's just a bit too high an asking price from the sellers. Maybe we could start a festival and get people to bring their films over and, mm. you know, fix it that way. And that that was really quite a lot of fun as well. So I met a lot of new friends who I'm still in touch with today who do like, you know, the front of Powerful posters and and things like that. And just a group of, like, basically film fans just running the festival. Um, And that was really cool. We got to the level of attracting decent sponsorship from KLM Airlines, um, from the Radisson Hotel groups as well in the UK. I don't know if you have the Radisson group in the US.
0: Yeah, 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 sure. Uh,
1: Yeah, so they were sponsoring us with some uh, uh, some accommodation. We were therefore able to bring uh, actors and actresses and directors over and choreographers and they would do workshops. We'd have drinks with him and wow, have drinks with him, and then the actors and directors liked it as well because they were reconnecting back with their pre successful selves before they made film. and they were the nerd as well, you know, going to the festivals. And so, it was really nice for like a like all around ecosystem that way. When when uh, was this roughly? Was this like a timeline? I think it was 08 09. I Okay, I think well, 09 was the start of it, actually. 09 was the start of it. Um, and then that went on for about four or five years. It wasn't economically viable. Even though we had all these great sponsors, there was a lot of it was in kind, meaning that they'd give us stuff as opposed to cash. But mm-hmm. there was a lot of cash requirement to run the festival, right? Yeah. Um, There's a lot of hard work. Um, definitely couldn't have done it without the team of people who uh, volunteered through the years as well. And that was really, really fun work for them. Um, and then we just focused on the label at the same time as well. Um, and we released a bunch of films. Back then it was a lot easier because you'd have. Um, Korean Film Council investment to export overseas their sort of culture, and this is pre Gangnam Style, right? so this is before K-pop and before uh-huh. K-pop. Uh-huh. They, they, you can see the seeds of this happening. Korean government definitely wanted to export Korean culture, um, and gave a lot of funding to overseas exhibitors. That then stopped happening, um, and so a lot of the releases that were economically viable for us to put in cinemas and tour them around the UK, therefore. Did not become viable anymore, so we had to reduce the amount of filter released.
0: So, does that uh, was that on the back of some of the success that Park Chan Wook had had internationally, or was that just like was there anything was there any tie in to why Korea was you know in the, in that timeline was trying to promote Korean cinema? Do you
1: think? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, so with Tartan in the UK, and I'm sure you know the Tartan yeah. Asia is really they done a great job of opening up Asian cinema as a whole, where there was, I think it probably started with The Ring back in the late mm-hmm. mm-hmm. at those sort of like titles, where it was like really quite groundbreaking for anyone to look at. And throughout those sort of like 10, 11 year period, uh, you then have, of course, Old Boy. That was a landmark event, right? It. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just became like a massive phenomenon around the world. I think then people accepted, okay, it's not just Japan that does weird films and Hong Kong that does action films, Korea, South Korea, and the map. Now we should be watching South Korean films as well. Yeah, And it's not just that, but look through their history. They've got all these stuff all the back in the 60s as well. You know? So it's a rich history of Korean films to be, to be yeah.
0: Well, I love, I love the festival uh, approach because when I lived in Dallas in 2000 to 2005, at that time there was a strong Asian film festival there. I think it's yeah. It might even be called the Dallas Asian Film Festival, it's something yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, that's how I got introduced to Takashi Miike. That's how I got introduced to Park Chan-wook. And like they brought in, they didn't bring in, uh, I wouldn't say they brought in celebrities, but they brought the films in. And right. just the exposure to, uh, yeah, to that stuff is, and the the, uh, the younger Kurosawa, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. So I, you know, I, I got to see some of these uh, in, in the theater, which was such an amazing experience. Um, and so I right. fell that's deeply in love.
1: Creepy Kaira, all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was such a it was such a cool experience to to be in a room with people watching these and experiencing them a lot of times for the first time, uh, especially with something like Ichi the Killer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, oh just to see, yeah. <laughs> to see the reaction to that. Yeah, the audience um,
1: reaction counts for so much when you enjoy a film.
0: Totally, uh, that's great. Okay, so um, so so then the, then you're on the label for a few years, and then with uh, then like you said in the pandemic, um, you quick, decided... quick
1: question before we move on chronologically again. Uh, are you saying that without the Dallas Film Festival, you probably would not have discovered Asian film? Ball? is there enough in Dallas for you to be exposed to it? Dallas like is an interesting. Day? Would they would they run theatrical releases?
0: Yeah, Dallas is an interesting place. At the time, I don't know about today. I mean, this is almost twenty years ago now. At the time, they had more um, screens playing international and classic films, like art house films, than any per capita than anywhere in the country. Oh, really. So at that time, there was more than 25 screens playing arthouse and international films.
1: Oh, wow, that's amazing.
0: So they were looking for content, right? So there was an opportunity, if you were the type of person that sought this out, you had a bevy of options spread across a huge metroplex. I assume most of those theaters are still there. A lot of them are kind of like cultural landmarks in the city. Um, But um, yeah, I would say that the focus, I, I mean, even... Even still, even with all those screens, they were still showing um, uh, what's that one that didn't age well? Garden State. It was still more of that type of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Than than necessarily Asian cinema, um, or it was like the kind of films that you learn about in film school, right? Oh, that I was know. that was the the it was like new kind of American independent, or like classic like film school type of art house oh, films. Right. Um, so there was only a few screens that were commonly playing. Uh, in the broad sense of Asian cinema. And then there was a separate group of theaters that would play, like, let's call it Indian, like Bollywood type cinema, right? Um, but as far as Southeast Asian cinema, um, you know, we weren't getting any of the Indonesian films coming out or the Filipino films coming out at that time. Uh, and there were some there were some cool action films coming out of the region at yeah, that massively
1: time. Right. I mean, that's the same over here. I think it's very rare for even the hardcore Southeast Asian or East Asian film fans to name Indonesian directors or see in Filipino films. Um, it's starting to now, like Because we've had Black like, yeah, Panther and Brilliant Mendoza have some theatrical success over in the UK. Um, yeah. And of course, you know, The Raid and all those sort of films. Exactly, are, exactly. Uh, and yeah. how that way, there has been really, really, really good. Cool, yeah.
0: Well, that's a great tie-in, actually, a great segue. So, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, it feels like, like if you look at your website right now and you see things like Tiger Cage trilogy, right, or the Police Story three coming out, like. Uh, it feels like an exciting
1: time for Asian cinema as far as the physical media goes. Yeah, massively for the last couple of years now, I would say. And then I'm literally every day waking up thinking, is this going to end? Like, is, have, are they going to run out of releases to uh, pick from from this vast catalogue? Uh, or are people going to get bored of buying? Are they going to run out of shelf space even and stop buying Blu-ray one day? You know, <laughs> so, And it's it's just incredible the, the films I've seen you know, as a kid or, you know, young teenagers growing up and they're being re-released and there's so many non-asians into it that's the thing that really fascinates me it's like so many non-asian people now it's like almost the reverse of growing up like you almost like hide your identity you want to, almost, you want to, you want to pay down your chinese but then in in now in it's so accepting and people are seeking it out it's great yeah and there there's a the,
0: it seems like that martial arts movies are a great segue into quote-unquote asian cinema right yeah, yeah,
1: there's you're a right. The, yeah. yeah. Even even the flavor of martial arts fans as well. I mean, you've got the really hardcore old school Shaw martial arts people who will probably only exist within that category and uh-huh. know the difference between the different English dubs across the world for uh-huh. a film, right? And then you've got the people probably slightly slightly later entrance, the eighties the and nineties martial arts fans, um, who will like the modern day action and the country and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, and it seems even within that, you've got two camps, much like horror. People talk about Asian cinema, and it's quite Asian horror. But horror in itself is many places so where you've got, like, a supernatural occult, quote, horror, or slasher killer horror. And, and so, you know, you've got different camps, haven't you, trying to try and do, like, different things. So,
0: yeah, well, that's good. the fun thing about some of the the directors that have been able to kind of achieve this international success, is they're like the gateway drug, right? Yeah. It's like you get in and then all of a sudden you're watching a Nobuhiko Obayashi's three film set yeah, from his exactly. uh, Karakawa years,
1: you know? And exactly. you're like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not where you start, but then... Exactly. Yeah. That's where you end up, right? But then what's, what's your take on remakes then? Do remakes have a place to fit into that journey? With people today? Okay, so I'm going to be... Uh, <laughs> this
0: is actually something I'm quite passionate about. I, um, If you look at... So the one that first really like rankled me like like caused a lot of like stress in me was when um hold on what was the name of the one in the u.s um that scorsese movie that won best director departed Departed. thank you right and it and i and i had just coincidentally had just seen infernal affairs like about a year before that um again in one of these art house screens and the way that they talked about the departed was like scorsese's great achievement right Right. and i get it like it's a good movie but like it's not I mean, it's not really his. Like, you yeah. know, like, yeah. he, was a, he was a curator of bringing this amazing script and idea into a, a Western audience. And so he gets some credit for that. But, like, yeah. bring the Infernal Affair guys up on stage if you're going to take the award, you
1: know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're right about that. And that's, so, that's I mean, so for me, I'm, I am I don't know where my feelings land on it. I don't know genuinely because I've not seen stats where I talk to anyone about this. How many people have seen Departed, then wanted to figure out what Infernal Affairs was like, then watched the whole trilogy, then thought, oh, Hong Kong films, very cool, let's watch some more Hong Kong films. Then went into Japan and Korea action films or Japanese horror or whatever, right? I don't know how many people took that journey. And I don't know how many people just watched, like you just said, watched Departed, oh, just in the movie, cool, end of, and that was it. But I, I do get yeah. what you mean about the credit bit, so for sure. And went deeper into Scorsese's catalog or something, you know. Yeah, I'll know. That's probably a lot of people might have done that. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Yeah.
0: Which, I mean, it's a good catalog. It's nothing wrong. Yeah, but brilliant. it's still, it's that point <laughs> of recognition and stuff. So, yeah, no, I think, um, I don't know if you, I mean, I'm I'm fine with the idea of remakes, especially sometimes there's certain ideas that if you just tweak it slightly, it plays better for different audiences. Um, you've seen some examples where, like, uh, there was a German release of Funny Games, Oh, and right, they yeah, yeah. they they changed it for the American audience, but they didn't actually change it. They yeah. had the exact same everything with different yeah. actors, and yeah. sure, it didn't. Sure. I don't I don't think it played as well because it's like you almost needed to like translate it a bit, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I think I, there's I've time. Got time to... Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um. And so yeah, I don't know. I have. I, I'm okay, General. What What about you? I mean, I I, is this... I.
1: I really don't know. I mean, a lot of people feel. Ownership. People who are very passionate about Asian movies still ownership. It's like, oh, they're taking our thing, and then, you know, but it's not our thing. It's not your thing. It's it's the creator's thing. The creator created it, and if they're happy to, you know, exploit the story, obviously with a different storyteller and a different language that's their prerogative. But at the same time, I totally get where if you feel that there's no credit given back to the original source, then that becomes a problem. You know, and yes. I really do hope people do then discover through. The, the ring remake the grudge remake and all that sort of stuff right i hope they do discover the original thing you know?
0: exactly you know it, this is the best thing i can think of like the in the 60s and 70s the, all of the italians people kind yeah. of joke about the fact that they were just ripping off american yeah. movies and not giving them yeah. credit right so yeah. it's a bit of a double standard right
1: because yeah but then uh, having said that the Italians like <laughs> you know spaghetti westerns all came from Kurosawa. so how many people watched these wood and then went to watch you know,
0: yeah yeah there, there's a certain yeah i think that's probably the best way to land i mean there's a certain percentage of the people that use that as a as a gateway to like yeah. jump into this whole exciting world yeah. um so what about you so within the world of quote-unquote asian cinema is there a type that that you're drawn to
1: where do you where do you where uh, do you go to relax? because i started with action right okay so action comedy i really like i keep using Jack the reference, but i really like this brand of uh, entertainment because it is you know that whole Buster Keaton theatrical somersaulted circus. Um, it's very rare to see blood um, on on the Jackie Chan film. There are some films that are like quite violent, but it's just entertainment, so it's family, it's awesome, it's good to watch the kids. Um, yeah, and the stories are funny uh, sometimes. Yeah. So what I, about I, I think that what about I, Stephen Chow in the comedy Stephen action? Stephen Chow, I I actually didn't like. First time around, I thought the slapstick thing was too extreme. And I'm very surprised that non-Cantonese speakers like Stephen Chow films, because a lot of it is local colloquial puns, a lot of the films he makes. But the, the overall story arc is great, like you know, Beijing with Love or whatever, the business of the cop, and all that stuff's really fun to watch. Kung Fu Hustle and mean, right? That's really awesome. Yeah. But within that, a lot of the nuances, and that's the same with a lot of local comedies, I guess. Is there's a lot of language puns, linguistic puns that you wouldn't necessarily get, but that may not affect your story watching or storytelling too much. In the same way that if I, I don't know, if I watch a Thai film or a Korean film, there may be some local puns and references to local celebrities that I would, would just go, in my head, but I still do the film. Okay.
0: Yeah, it, maybe it's just more like if you see it for the third time, you start to pick up on some of those things, yeah, but the first yeah, time exactly. through, you're just enjoying, like, is it, I think it's either Kung Fu Hustle or Shell in Soccer where there's like some amazing business with dumplings and like slow motion and, and like yeah, kicking around yeah. the dump. Shell and there's so- just, is that Shell in Soccer? Okay. Yeah. 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 That's just some, some of that, like the, 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 physicality that he brings into his movies is, is yeah, so creative fun. and fun. It, it's really, really cool. It's such an entertainer as well. It's really, really fun. I think it's, uh,
1: what's the, is it Kung Fu Hustle 2 that's coming out soon? It's trying to get Kung Fu Hustle 2
0: yeah. to He's, yeah, I think he's either. Yeah, I don't know where it stands, but I, I remember hearing a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, for you.
0: Um. So okay. So back to back to terracotta for a moment. Uh. So you're right now working with eighty eight films, Third Window, Eureka, uh, Arrow, and and is that right? And maybe one more. CineAsia, yeah, is right? Yeah.
1: Uh, MPM and uh, BFI as well. Okay. Uh, we start to stock a lot of BFI stuff and um, got a lot of their titles sat in the box right next to me. <laughs> I still haven't <laughs> lifted up on this. On the site yet, so I need to okay. get on that this weekend. I think. Mm. Uh,
0: and is that basically where you're? Uh, I mean, to the only to the extent that you're comfortable talking about this, but are you essentially buying lots from them and then just trying to resell it? Is that kind of how exactly that works? That.
1: Exactly that. It's just okay. a typical merchant with a website. I'm like any other retailer, going and trying to negotiate terms. Obviously, with the small guys, you don't get great terms. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. And then they'll deliver the stock. Uh, we'll fulfil it. Based on whatever orders we have, we have to try and guess how many of each item to buy and learn our lessons the hard way that way and sometimes get overstocked and put them on sale. You yeah, know, so typical typical store. I think mean, you call them mom and pop stores in the US. I think. Exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> and at the moment where somebody places an order, uh, is it going to your computer and are you packing yeah. it or do you have yeah. something that help? literally is me. Yeah, I'm packing
1: <laughs> stuff. I'm looking at the orders. I'm trying to decipher where the orders are coming from. So for example, uh-huh. it may I may have run a Google ad and someone's you know, clicked on the link and coming through that, and then I know Google ads work, so I put my money at Google. Uh uh-huh. and, and then I'm, yeah, I'm just packing orders. Um, and it's sometimes trying to watch the latest Asian release at the same time as well, some packing as well. Oh, so,
0: uh, I guess that's in the background, you know. Yeah. That's a good excuse to watch some movies. I guess while you're doing some, oh, yeah. some work. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you have uh, a full-time job. You're you're you're, you're building uh, Terracotta into this machine that's. Ah, uh, spreading Asian cinema to the world. You have a family. Uh, that's why do you do this? That's a lot.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think I started. I can't stop That's <laughs> fine. Okay. <laughs> just like the guys at the guys at the uh, the gambling table. Just like doesn't know how to walk <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I think literally. How do I stop though? Because I've got so many orders coming in. Right? I can't then say, "Oh, sorry, that's it. I'm calling it day." I have to refund everyone and send all this stock back. Home. So yeah, I, I don't know why I'm doing it. I guess because uh, it started with, I don't know, like what's on TV. I might as well do something with my time. Most people finish work and they either go get really drunk uh-huh. or go out for a meal or they'll sit and watch Love Island or something like that, right? And that's kind of not me. And I would spend my evenings either learning stuff, going to do professional qualifications or just try and learn a language or something or, you know, and then all this stuff has been a learning. I think it started off, oh, this is what happens. So my big love is music, and okay. I really wanted to run a music label. And I okay. thought, doing this film stuff, it's kind of synonymous with running a music label, right? It's the same yeah. thing, it's core. it's records, it's the same thing you manufacture, you warehouse, you put orders, right? But obviously, it's two completely different industries, because who you meet is completely different. So now I have no contact in the music world now at all. So I wouldn't be able to set up a label or go find artists or whatever, whereas I know that a lot of people, mainly in the sort of film distribution side, yeah, I can probably go start another label if I wanted to. Um, well, so then I thought I'd spend the evening just learning and just figuring things out. Sorry, I cut you off. Oh no no, no, please go ahead. No, that that makes it. a lot of sense. I'll do it. so that's yeah so what what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be a guy who actively watches this Crap TV or do you want to just do something and try and figure things out and enjoy things?
0: I love that. I love that. what uh, what's the kind of music that you that you would produce if if you had the label?
1: Uh, it was house at one point okay. and hip at one point as well. actually did start with a friend, um, a artist management company. Back then, the philosophy was, um, well, we'd see all these artists getting signed by the big labels and being almost unfavorable terms, mm-hmm. slash screwed over. But well, uh-huh. then we start something that's a bit 360, so whatever's good for the artist is good for us, it's good for their career, they get a share. It's almost like a cooperative, right? Mm-hmm. So we sign them, we promote them, everything, merch, touring, uh, yeah. Help them get their
0: records out I, I don't think it would make sense in 2022 but 10 years ago maybe 15 years ago my brother and i bantied around the idea of starting a label where you actually put the bands on salary and then you work oh. out a deal to where you keep like a certain amount and then everything after that they keep anyways we were trying to we were trying to make it work and we never got it off the ground no, but yeah, sound,
1: there is something on that i mean think about back in the times of the medieval ages you would have someone as a patron Salarying you like Mozart or, whatever, or some poet back in the 40s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a patron salarying you too, to go and just go get
0: some stuff back. Like you know? Yeah, exactly. Trying to make a little bit of a better life for musicians. But anyway, yeah. diff- diff- different podcasts. <laughs>
1: different podcasts.
0: Let's start that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, okay, well, um so, and you, I, I was surprised to find that you were centered in the UK only because you're so comfortable shipping internationally. So for you, I guess, it just doesn't matter. Like if, you're, if people are willing to pay shipping, you'll go anywhere?
1: Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. The only headache is when there are um, delays overseas and during lockdown towards the tail end of last year in Q4, there was a lot of, uh, so we're recording from 2022. So for reference, it's 2021 uh, towards Christmas time. There were quite a lot of delays due to COVID, especially going to the US as well. So the only impact on me is following up with customer service type queries or whether I order. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apart from that, yeah, I don't see why we should, um, as a retailer, I mean, if you're a distributor, you are limited by your license agreement to your territory, but as a retailer, if people want to buy and pay shipping, I think exporting is fine, I think, since this this podcast tells me otherwise.
0: How much do you have to navigate the whole, like, region coding of the Blu-ray players?
1: Uh, yeah, we try and be as upfront as possible, but we still get people right back and saying, This doesn't work on my thing. And I said, Well, it's region B. Well, this is the first time I've heard of region. What do you mean, region? And then we have to go through the education process. And I feel like almost now I should have a copy and paste answer now, just pre kind of canned answer so I can paste it in. But I take time to type and say, Look, here's an example. And I've them the website, the region coding wiki. and all that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, overall, I don't think there is that much of a problem from the people who know what they're doing, because I think a lot of people in the US have multi region buyers. and. I do have multi-region players, and I do suggest to people look. There's loads of great stuff coming out of Germany, Australia, not just the UK. Maybe you want to start looking at a multi-region players. No, no idea how much they cost. them.
0: if they've come down a lot. Um, I used to have a multi-region DVD player back in the day because I was the, even back then the releases coming from Hong Kong were like beautiful. They had these amazing like leather packages and all this crazy oh, stuff. Wow. Um but um, so i was I was buying that. it was harder to find that stuff twenty years ago but so yeah, but now <clears throat> I just recently bought a a multi region blu-ray player, and it was like seventy bucks. It was great, it's really? easy wow. yeah,
1: so when people say it's time to invest in it's not really that high to and it sounded like a five hundred bucks back
0: then. no uh, when I bought it when I was in college, it was a dumb investment because it was like two hundred and fifty dollars or something wow. three hundred dollars back then, and you know, I was just working a minimum wage job but um. But I wanted well, you to give me a good
1: return on your uh, film watch.
0: So it wasn't that dumb an investment, right? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I didn't think it was dumb. <laughs> Strictly financially speaking, but, you know, there's different ways, but um, just ate less that month. It was fine. <laughs> um, so okay, so what? Where? Um, I, I guess talk to me a little bit if if you're okay talking about like where where is terracotta going? Because it seems like what what I'm hearing you say, like an underlying message I'm hearing in everything you're saying is that you. You are good at like uh, uh, lo- assessing where you know viewing patterns and buying patterns are going, and kind of adapting your business to, to to that model, right? So you pivoted to having a store when people were buying online. Now you're introducing streaming. Do you have any vision, or any sense for where TerraGoda is, is going to continue to grow?
1: Yeah, uh, this roadmap is in my head quite a long time ago. To start streaming, and now I wish with my site that we focus more on streaming because now streaming is ubiquitous, right? Um, so I think streaming is where uh, I referenced earlier back then, when are people going to stop buying backing? It's not going to finish tomorrow, but there will be a point, whether it's 24, 25 or 2026 20, at some point, I think even if people still want to buy blue rays, the whole industry may start winding down. because The economics of where can you make blue rays, those factories will start closing down. Because It's not just the small labels like Eureka's. And we know Eureka and Arrow are big, big companies but relative to your Sonys and your business, right, right. Right, right, right? So if Sony decides one day to stop manufacturing or reduce their output of 3 ray discs, that then economically goes back in the chain, puts pressure on the plants, who then can't survive. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the Sony, right? And that's when they, that would spiral the mind. And that, that probably will be happening sometime soon. I'm not sure when, but probably will be happening. And I think streaming is just so accessible and it's just so easy for a lot of people. I know a lot of collectors don't like streaming, some collectors do, um, but then streaming offers us the opportunity to show films where labels haven't released uh, in sure. the territory or made a nice package from right? um, And In terms of distribution, uh, we may slow down the distribution by the bit in physical because we can't compete with the likes of Eureka and Arrow and 88 Films, who are buying these amazing films and, and creating all these amazing artwork and their features. I think they've got a really good following and a really good pattern of doing that now, so... They've got their rhythm going, don't want to disrupt that. Um, but I can participate if they keep sharing that product. I'll keep helping them sell it as well, so that's great. I, at least I'm participating and handling these films, which once upon time I did one of the release, but now someone else is releasing it. I'm, yeah, all, right. I'm able to play my part as a, as a retailer. Um, and then so, yeah, the store, I think, will keep growing as it is, and I just want to keep learning different things, like um, social media, new social media channels, actually. Keep coming out paid advertising seo you know the whole world of seo we're not really focusing on that's the search engine optimization making sure when someone searches for Kyoshi kurosawa that we are somewhere in the first page because i don't know about you but i very rarely go to page two of google right to see what's exactly no exactly um that makes a lot of sense
0: what i just am curious because you know in the last really two years it feels like maybe even 18 months there's just been a flurry of Hong Kong titles, right? Both from 88 films and Arrow to a certain extent with some of the Shaw Brothers sets. And then uh, even Eureka's gotten into it a little bit, um, even maybe, maybe 101, or maybe I'm off. But it just feels like there's a big like, influx in the market right now. Are they selling well? Yeah,
1: incredibly well. So there's a demand and supply thing, right? So if you're only making 2,000 3, or 3,000 copies, I bet you there's more than 2,000 or 3,000 people who want to have a copy of that on their shelf yeah. and willing to pay the, you know, 40 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever it is that, that they're buying at the moment. You know, Police Story, Trilogy, Boxer, that sounds amazing to me, ultra high, def, ultra high def, and that right ultra like high-deft. Right. Okay.
0: That, and, and I think companies are being smart about it too. Like in Arrow, they're putting out the Shaw Brothers sets, but one of the ones they've included in in Phase 2 is Boxer's Omen, which you right. probably have Two thousand people that want to just find the high def copy of that. that. Yeah, that. <laughs>
1: exactly. So the holy grail of things. I mean, SuperCop is great. SuperCop, so many people want SuperCop, and now it's in this amazing box set. Or you can buy SuperCop at the right, so sort of Yeah, you're right. It's a it's a great little uh, strategic uh, release, but a sort after of gem. In there. Much like if there was a Miku box set, I mean, people keep asking me about like the Lucky Dragon, for example. They they really want to release that blu So there was a Miku box set. That'd be pretty
0: cool. yeah. I've told people before I mean I think he's up to 120 films now or something it's quite <laughs> right. a lot but even if it was like even if it was like a phased set where it's like you know the early years or something because yeah, I, yeah. I, a lot of his early films had like a strong art house kind of quality to them there was like mm-hmm. a lot of uh, different style of filmmaking even and it was very very beautiful even when he had his typical like gruesome content it mm-hmm. was still in the background of a very kind of uh, but artistically if made from it in years
1: you'd have such an eclectic mix you did give them, like two three like one year he'd be making i don't know like yataman alongside some violent gangster yakuza film you know what i mean it's just like you do all go over that. so i'm not sure whether you want to do it chronologically or you want to do it by genre thematically that, yeah, thematically, yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, either way, that's a good point though. I mean, cause he, yeah, I, I, that, that's my dream set. I guess my point is if, if that was a, if something came out, that was $500, but it was like the majority of Mike films. Complete um, oh my God. That'd be more than that. It'd be like $1,000. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody could do a
1: complete, I mean, can you imagine even just the logistics of shipping that yeah, set? Yeah. Like the, the licensing rises. Yeah. And that's one of the things people I think um, need to think about as well is Actually, they want to watch this And this is where a lot of piracy comes in, right? And I, mm-hmm. and I am not anti piracy. You'll understand if you want something free and you want it now. And if people have marketed it to you and told you this is a must watch, you, well, there's nowhere for me to watch it in my town. I, I need to watch it. How do I do it? You know? mm-hmm. So, yeah, you need to understand if you wanted to license a complete Mikke, you've worked for so many studios, you have to go to each studio to make, okay, all the titles, all the rights, it's be such a monumental effort. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but we
0: can live to dream. <laughs> somebody <laughs> does, somebody does it. In, uh, in, okay, in and good listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Adam, get on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's actually there's there's a great connection I'm hearing even in the way you talk about your businesses between you and Adam. I imagine, yeah, just the way that even even some of the phrases you're using around uh, uh, learning new trades in order to kind of continue to do more and and he, you know he talks about it very openly about it's every skill that he learns is is more margin that he keeps right. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I I feel so,
1: yeah. So Have you interviewed Adam recently? Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. on yeah. luckily. He's great, great one. Yeah. I mean, I really take my house. So and when you talk about I've got family and whatever and they just Adam is like Mr. Machine, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> he'll run like twenty K every day. He gets up early to feed his son, he's got a newborn kid. Um, and he'll he's learned Japanese by himself. He's learned how to do subtitling by himself, which is a very technical thing. So he, he's learned to translate, which is skill number one. Number two, how to operate subtitling software, which is like learning software isn't difficult, but it's that skill of how do I cram in what he said in 30 seconds into like two seconds so someone can read it and understand that in a right. skill, right? And having the patience to stop every sentence and type and check the wording. you're um, I don't think he does the R with himself so I don't need to talk to but then he will be able to go watch all the films and, and source them all himself and yeah, and do everything. He'll, yeah,
0: incredible. I sense a real kindred spirit, though. It sounds like you're equally <laughs> as busy in just a different part of the business. But, um, well, what, what would you like people to know about Terracotta that I haven't asked? What?
1: Uh, um, I don't think much more than what we've talked about already. It's like, we're a small company. Please don't berate us if we've done something wrong. We'll always do it right. <laughs> Um, I've heard people comment on our customer service being fairly good, Uh, but you do get the odd one or two rants, and I I understand that. i totally understand that. If I was a customer, something went wrong, I'd be quite angry. I don't care how big you are or how small you are. I bought something. I expect this to be perfect, right, Um, especially if it's a high-priced box set. Um, And also, the different personality types, and when you type through email, things sometimes are amplified the wrong way. And and Mm -hmm. so I totally get that. I don't I don't dislike anyone for sending in a shitty email, but I, I totally understand. But I would like people to be uh, just aware that we're a small operation, and we're looked at by you, and we're trying to get them to the ground and deliver this sort of uh, service. And sometimes we do offer titles cheaper on pre-order, uh, one or two pounds less than other websites where possible, um, and that's that massively eaten to our margin. But at least we then encourage people to shop from our site. You know, we have to have some sort of USP that way. Um but I think our biggest USP I'd like you to know is that you pointed out already that all the labels are in one place. So if you're looking for San as well as Ikidekiller as well as I don't know, some art school, i for my partner's at the moment, but you know, you know what I mean, you transcend all the different times and labels and geography, then we've got everything here. So, well, trying to get everything here.
0: So that that's a good point then. I guess I one of the things we didn't talk about in streaming is kind of where you're looking to go. But as you look to grow that, you're you're you want to be the place people go for Asian cinema, is that right? Pretty much,
1: yeah. In the same way that Shudder is for horror. Mm-hmm. Like streaming to have, you know, terracotta is for Asian movies, right? Except Shudder's a great brand for horror because you know that that's almost synonymous with a horror type uh, adjective and all good. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of something asian sounding enough but i, I think we randomly will take forever so i think we'll stick with
0: i mean terracotta's not bad it's it's <laughs> it's geographically accurate anyways I've,
1: I've never told anyone well i've only told a few people the story of why we call terracotta so when you fill out these company incorporation documents you have to find a name so i came back to the box and so i just left it blank and i filled in all the other stuff but what damn i've still got this name what do i call this what do i call this company and I was looking around um, my living room at that point, and um, my dad had bought me a small terracotta worry. he been to China recently for holiday. And that was like my mental piece, a terracotta. Like you just said, that's kind of Asian, that'll do. And I'll put that on my phone. But um, through the years, we've had a lot of inquiries about, like, he was distributing terracotta pots. Uh, <laughs> I think going to distribute for them in the UK. Uh, <laughs> apart from that, it's, it's kind of okay.
0: But, that's funny. I, I guess that's that's funny. Nice. Well thanks for thanks for sharing that story. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um okay. Well I'm gonna continue to to support and buy from you and, and uh I would encourage people to do. I've had I've had two shipments uh from y'all uh in, in the last year or so and they've been and it's it's funny.
1: I've seen you put another
0: order in recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've yeah. Uh it's um like it's just funny, like, you know, the Sometimes it's it doesn't take as long to ship from the UK as you would think. More often than not, when I've placed an order from uh, from you, uh, it's or one time I had to place an order for some obscure Kieslowski documentary that I was looking for, and it was on an eBay seller in the UK. And both times it got faster than it than uh, it was less than ten days.
1: Really, um, wow. even with just general shipping, you know, not even really? advanced shipping. shipping yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another thing I, I'd like to ask viewers, sorry, right? listeners to. Give some sort of feedback because once it leaves the door, we don't know what happens. We do a box test, right? So we send ourselves a box where we every time we buy new packaging. When I say we myself and my wife sometimes help me source packaging to right, so I, I try and send stuff back to myself to see what state the box looks like when it arrives to customers' hands. Um, but I very rarely get to hear anything apart from complaints, right? So we only hear when people tell you something bad. If things good, please do let us know as well. Uh, let us know what you think or how we can improve packaging to make it even better experience before. And
0: to hear that it arrived in 10 days, realize that. Yeah, I was always it's, it's been impressive. But I think in twenty twenty it was a different story. Yeah. But um yeah. whatever those blocks were from from just the standard shipping seemed to have been removed. So wow. um pretty cool. Man. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. this right, great talking. You me me. It's
1: been really
0: fun. Good. Thanks to Joey. All right, talk soon.